Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome to the table. This week we are continuing our countdown of season one, the top five. And coming in at number four is about a lie that we believe. And this lie is the lie of control that you and I need to control what's going on. And oftentimes we don't believe this lie in the negative turn of it, where we're like, oh, we have to be controlling. We believe in this, a positive spin of the lie that we need to be uh, responsible. We need to make sure we need to enable, we need to um, hold everything together. And we, we kind of create these positive verbs, don't we? But really, we're believing that it all stops with us. That if we don't do it well, do it right, keep it together, lead well, etc. If we don't have it under control, then we are not doing it well. That things will happen. There will be negative outcome. And I have shared over this past year, I struggle with worshiping at the idol of outcome. I don't know if you do at all. If you at all want to bow your knee to how the end result is, the end result of your kids, the end result of a birthday party, the end result of getting your kids to school that morning, the end result of a good day. Like outcome can be in any space that we put it. But when we're worshiping that idol, the lie is you better stay in control. And this episode speaks to the truth God offers, the freedom his gospel gives us. Oh, sweet friend, if you and I could sit with our coffee together, I would tell you, surrender, surrender. God's sovereign hand is so gracious unto you and unto your child and in your circumstances. And I promise he is at work. And he is beckoning you, inviting you to come up under his arm and let him carry, hold it all, take care of it all. You know, it says in Colossians 1 that Jesus holds it all together. And if you and I can just remember that little phrase as we listen to this episode this week, Jesus holds it all together. Jesus holds my kids, my family, my house, my job, my life together. And I can trust him. So I hope as you listen this week, 
you will understand it is a lie from the pit that says it's all up to you. Welcome back to the kitchen table and welcome into the series, The Lies of Motherhood. If you haven't been here yet, there are two that you would have missed. We did the introductory, like, what are the lies we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks? And then we introduced that first lie, the lie of balance, that everything needs to be in balance. And y'all, that lie, I hear so many mamas saying, I'm just trying to balance everything. I'm just trying to keep it all balanced. So if you missed either the first episode or last week's episode, which was called Table Talk with Sandra Stanley, where Sandra and I sat down and I got to kind of pick her brain about how she understands balance as a mother, both as a mother of young children. And now she has walked her children all the way into their adult years and into marriage. And um, it was just a wealth, a wealth of wisdom for me, and I know for so many of y'all. So this week, we are talking about the lie that says you have to control it all. You got to get it all wrapped up. You got to keep it all together. It is on your shoulders, mama, and you better hold it all together. And I, this week, am going to be pretty open and raw about my walk because This one is a big one for me. It's a big one. We talked the first week that the enemy comes at us with three lies. He wants to shift the belief that the word of God is true. You know, the first lie he asked in the garden is, I mean, did God really say that? Like, is that really what God said? And it makes you wonder, wait a minute, maybe I can rationalize this. And then the second lie is that God would withhold things from us, that, that he's not really trustworthy or he's stingy or he will fail you in some way. And so therefore you need to control it. You need to hold everything together because God might not be good or not good for you. You might be the one that he says, nah, not her. And then the third lie that we talked about was the lie that said that um, questioning whether or not they even needed God or they could, could they be God? And, you know, with that third lie, it denies our need for God and instead exerts an independence away from God. And with this lie, this lie of control, we can see all of these down in our heart. We might believe little bits of each one of them. And that's why we feel like we need to control what's going on in our home and our kids and our relationships. And while, yes, we have input into those things and we engage and we are committed to those relationships When you and I decide that we are the end-all be-all, the way it is held together, the person who keeps everything running, the one on whom it all rests, we are saying at the bottom of our heart that God can't handle it. 
And if you do a little heart work, you need to dig in and go, do I believe God can't handle it because I actually fear that God is not for me? Or do I think he just can't handle it? He's not sovereign. Or do I believe that really it's fine for me to operate independently away from God? That I, in essence, begin then to worship myself because either, and we can see this because either I become completely more, I need to be more, do more, all the things of more. So I need to be more successful, more competent as a mom, more self-reliant. I don't need to um, depend on anyone else. I need to do it all for myself. So I'm focused on myself or the opposite focus is I can't do anything. And so then we get trapped in. I am such a failure. All my inadequacies are mounting all my doubts, all my fears. And I get wrapped up in layers of anxiety and fear because I want to control it all. And it's really not possible. And both of those are independent of surrender to God, which is that third lie that says, you know, you can be independent of God. You don't have to be surrendered to him. Not on everything. Just when you go to church. And this lie is a lie that original, early in my motherhood, I bought hook, line, and sinker, and I was in like Flynn. I was in it. I remember we came home from the hospital with Noah. I remember, you know, you, you, you find out you're pregnant. And for me, my first pregnancy, everybody was telling me it was a complete miracle. Like nobody thought I was going to maintain the pregnancy. So um, just immediately I jumped into, well, I've got to do everything right because I've got to make sure that this baby, you know, I don't lose this baby. And I was doing everything to the T and really focused in on all the right X, Y, and Z. And God began to whisper, Bethany, this is my baby that I put inside of you. And I govern his days. I know how many he's been given. And I walk this road with you, but I am the one sovereign over it. But I didn't really listen. And then that baby came. He was precious. And you hold your baby for the first time and almost immediately, almost immediately, right? You begin to think, oh my gosh, there's so much I'm responsible for. There's, there's so many things I need to know and do and take care of. And, 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 and then all the little questions begin to pepper, pepper your mind and begin to impact your soul. And those questions are simple, you know, it's, you know, how, how are you going to teach your baby to go to sleep? Are you going to teach your baby to go to sleep? Are you going to, um, always hold them all the time? Are you going to let them, what, what's the other one? Uh, cry it out. Are you going to give a passy? No passy. Are you going to breastfeed or bottle feed? Are you like, what's the best? And why is it the best? And let's do it. Let's not do it. And from the beginning, there is an onslaught that says, you need to have all the answers. You need to know all of this and you need to control it. Because if you don't, because if when we follow that train of thought back, that train of thought says, and if you don't, you have failed. 
and I bought it. Oh man, I remember in those first few weeks with Noah and he, wow, he, I don't know what the combination was. It it was nervous mom, brand new mom, and probably a kid who would have done a lot of it, even if he had been my sixth or seventh, where I wasn't nearly as nervous as of a mom. But it was, it was a wild ride we were on. And, you know, all you brand new moms out there, raise your hand. Let me, let me give you a hug over this podcast. It is hard having a baby. It's hard. It's hard in every space of your body physically. It's hard in every space of your mind. It's hard in every space of your soul. Your emotions are just completely rocked. Then I happened to get a baby who didn't sleep and like he could nurse in like a minute and a half. He was the most efficient nurser that I've had out of my eight. One, one of the biggest weight gainers. So it wasn't that my milk was lacking. It was just wow. In and out and on with business, but just was rough. It's rough. And, uh, I felt like I was out of control. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do any of it. So my, see the, when we long to control, when we feel like we are the ones responsible for the growth and the development, the safety, the happiness, the, um, the next way they turn out in the next stage of life, like when we feel like and believe that it is up to us, then two things happen. And these things may be happening in your world. They definitely are happening in mine. We overprotect because we're going to have to exert all control to make sure that all the fraying edges of all the different pieces of being mother to this child. We got to keep everything in a tight little ball and we overprotect and we become incredibly anxious. We, We just do because deep in the bottom at the base of all my desperate need to control was the fear and the condemnation that knew I could not control it I can't control it you know there's that saying that says that when you become a mom your heart leaves your what is it your your heart leaves you and goes walking around like I can't remember it and I'm totally butchering it but and you know it's that feeling it's that feeling that I mean maybe for a little bit I could control it and I could, I could fool myself into thinking I was controlling it because only I took care of him, right? Only I fed him. I took care of him. I changed more diapers. I, I did more of the things I was there every day. I was the one. And then I went back to work and it was, but, but it was still mostly me. And, um, but that little baby grows up and begins to move away from us and interact on his or her own and engage the world and we cannot control and we learn that and yet we cling to wanting that control so the Lord had to do this mighty work in me to set me free because what was happening is control leads to bondage it leads to me overprotecting my child 
because I believe that is the only way to maintain control. And it leads to complete bondage of my heart and mind because I become incredibly anxious. And I did. And it didn't help then when I had baby number two, and baby number three. And I mean, like, I didn't get this wrapped up. Like, I'm still, I still have to walk this pattern of thought life that I'm going to share with y'all today. And I wanted to share before I get it, we get into the truth is I want you to understand something about the battle of your mind. You see, in your mind, basically, and and I think there's actually a term, and if any of you all know it, please send it to me because I would love to know it. I, I should have looked this up. But we we basically, in our mind, begin to groove pathways of thoughts. Where when we have one thought, it leads to this next thought, which leads to this next thought, which leads to this next thought. And we groove, if you will, a um, like a path in which that thought, like a drop of water, can begin to run down. And those little thoughts connect together and they begin to flow like a stream and they begin to roll downhill towards anxiety and worry and doubt and fear because we've grooved a pathway and that path starts with the idea that I need to control it all. And don't be fooled. It is not just you thinking I need to control it all. Remember, we talked about two weeks ago that you have an enemy who delights in whispering these lies to us. And the way he whispers this lie, this lie presents as this. What if? What if this happens? What if they never sleep tonight? What if my child never learns to sleep? What if my child isn't gaining enough weight? What if my child never learns to potty train? What if they never have any friends? What if they don't do well at school? What if they are watching too many video games? What if they, and we begin to play the what if game. What if? And then like a little drop of water, these what ifs begin to run together and they run down the stream, right? Because what ifs gather and become horrible pictures of what could be. And then what happens with a what if is then there's the assertion of then I must stop. I need to stop that. And this is how I'm going to stop it. This is what I will do to ensure that this what if never happens. So if you have the journal pages that I sent you, if you get my newsletter, you'll have these journal pages. And if not, you can download them. They are in the show notes this week, but pull out your journal page if you want to write this down. But we're about to anchor into some verses that are going to combat these what ifs. And we're going to understand what God says about you and what he says about this lie and how that should change you. We're going to look at two passages. The first one is found in John 15 verses basically one through seven. And then the second one is found in Matthew 11, 
verses 28 and 29 and 30. So if we read Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, it says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's Jesus talking. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So that's what Jesus is saying in Matthew 11. And then if we jump over to, Matt, to John 15, Jesus is talking again to his disciples, and he says, this is the passage that a lot of us probably know. I am the vine, and you are the, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. And then he goes down, and he says in verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me you can do nothing. And then verse 7 says, If you abide in me, and my words are abiding in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified. So if we take these two verses, this is messaging from Christ, and I want you to understand it is messaging for you as a mom, and I believe God is saying you do not need to control at all. And in fact, instead, he's issuing this invitation that says, I am the God who sees you. I absolutely see you. And we see that all the way back in the Old Testament, looking in um, Exodus 2, God says, I, he says um, that he saw the people of Israel and he remembered his promises to them. And then we see it again in Genesis where he sees Hagar when she's run away. And actually, that's where God gets the name the God who sees, because he sees, and it's not just a seeing, it's a seeing with compassion, a seeing that says, I not only see you, I'm in this with you. And he sees what's going on. So he's, so already the reality of who God is combats the lie from the enemy that says, God's not trustworthy. He, he might not even be paying attention to you. Like he's busy. You're just a person like, mm-mm. And instead, God goes, no, I'm a God who sees. And I remember my promises to you. You see, I, he says, I, I don't remember how good you are and that you're obedient or that you do all the things perfectly or that your kid's turning out great. That's not what I remember. He says, I remember my word and I remember my promises. So Jesus says over here in the New Testament, He says, come, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I'm just going to tell you, like, we could dig into that. That's like rich for a mom because we're weary and we're heavy laden and they mean different things. And trust me, you're both. And it's, it's a deal. It's a precious invitation to come lay it all down. He says, take my yoke upon me and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly, and you will find rest for your souls. So there's an exchange of a yoke, right? That's part of the invitation. He says, come, 
and take my yoke. So this exchanging of a yoke, this exchanging of the the weariness and the confusion and the discouragement and the frantic feelings that say, well, I've got to have all the answers and I've got to know what to do. And if I mess it up, I mean, I like I've got to be in control. I can't I can't do this wrong. All those feelings. God says, no. Come, let's exchange. Take mine. Because learn from me. And you will find rest for your soul. See, the invitation again is not to control. The invitation is to abide and to rest. So what is this yoke? If we look at this yoke and we understand what Christ is saying here, the the yoke is abiding. The yoke is believing and trusting he is who he says he is and that his truths are true. It is saying, God, I know you're the God who sees and I will choose to believe that you will remember your promises to me. And you know, God says, when you abide in me, I will abide in you. That's what Jesus is saying in John 15. He's saying, abide in me and I will abide in you. He says, I am the vine. You're the branches off of me. Come. Understand that when you are engaged here with me, when you are taking as a vine, which receives everything flowing from its source, when you and I, instead of saying, oh, I am the source, we say, no, Jesus is the source. So even if my decision is um, the simple micro moments of motherhood, he welcomes those decisions. He welcomes the conversation about those decisions. He wants us praying about whether our baby should have a passing or not. And not from the stalled out, well, I can't make a decision until God tells me in this clear tone. But from the posture that says, God, I am seeking your face. And I know that between you and me, even whether or not my baby should take a passing or not, is something you're engaged with. Lord, I want to know what is wise for my baby. I want your insight into my child. I want to understand. I think they do need a passy. They need to suck more than they than that. And they can't seem to figure out their hand situation. And understanding that God will equip you with the wisdom you need for that child. And that God, if, if that is an unwise decision for your child, I promise you, Mama. God will go, all of a sudden you'll be looking at your child and that passy and you'll go, you'll begin to go, wait a minute. I don't think you should suck a passy. I think it's messing up the way you're drinking your bottle every day or whatever it is, right? I mean, that's like a silly example. And for most of us, we moved on and, and our kids are bigger and we feel like the stakes are higher and we feel like we should be more in control. So we are like, what ifing 
friends they hang out with or don't hang out with. And we're what ifing, should we give them the phone? Cause all their friends have phones. You know, what if something happened and they didn't have a phone versus the, well, what if I give them a phone and then they see or do stuff or too early and they shouldn't see or do that thing. And we, what if ourselves, or maybe where you're in the, the five-year-old stage and it's, I mean, what if the way I start my child reading doesn't, you know, or maybe I've missed it and I should have already started them in reading or maybe what, what if I send them to school? What if I, what if I homeschool? What if I, and we feel like every decision we make is huge. And I promise you, God says, no, my sweet mama child. He goes, no, I want you to come and take my yoke. Learn from me. See, that's the invitation. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly. And remember, all the way back in Isaiah, God says, I will gently lead lead those with young. We stand on these promises. And then he says, so call unto me and I I will answer you. I will tell you things you do not know about your child. And then here he's like, I am gentle and lowly. Learn from me. Come in and learn from me how to walk with your child to make schooling decisions, friendship decisions, discipline decisions, parenting decisions. Learn from me. Seek me. And trust that I am actively engaged in your life and in your relationship with your child. And I will let you know. Because, you know, when we have the posture of abiding in John 15, then that last verse of John 15 becomes our promise that we hang it all on. Because if we are in a posture that says, God, I, I'm not going to control it. I'm going to trust your word that says you, you're sovereign. You're the one in control. That Colossians 1 is true that in you all things hold together. And so I'm going to trust that you've got it and that you are going to lead me gently in this motherhood day today. And I'm going to keep my eyes turned on you. I'm going to keep my heart tuned into you. I'm going to be even in the micro things going, God, is this a good idea? And trust that you will keep me moving along and you will impact me with wisdom and discernment to know what is the right thing to do. And John 15, 7 comes alive for us because John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, contingency, right? That's a contingency. We're going to look at that for a quick second. Ask whatever you wish. Cry out about all of it. So if you abide in me, Eyes up on Jesus, seeking him, heart tuned to him. God, you're the vine, I'm the branches. You're my source. I'm trusting you. I'm tuning to you. And my words abide in you. That was those two contingencies of John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. What does that mean? That means we are seeking his word. We are anchoring there. We are pursuing and going, well, what's in the Bible for me today 
with my newborn, my two-year-old, my teenager, my heartbroken child, my anxious child, my worried child, my fearful child, my rebellious child, my sassy child, my independent child, my brilliant child, my struggling child. What's in the word for us today? Because I promise you, God's word will not disappoint you. And if you abide in him and his words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Because the father is going to glorify himself and he will do it in his relationship with you and with your child. This has been a journey for me that is ongoing every day that when the morning sun comes up, I have to sit for a moment and go, God, I want to choose to abide in you today. I am asking for the ability today to stop long enough to turn to you and go, what do you think? What do you think? And if I get a little out of control, I'm asking for the ability today to turn to you and go, how do I fix it? And if I decide I want to take control away from you, I'm asking for quick realization that I've done that. And I want to surrender again to rest and to abide. I promise you this. God will give you an incredible testimony when we begin to reject the mandate that we have to have all the right answers. Because we don't have to have the answers. We have to run to the teacher who holds the answer key. He knows your child intimately. You see, the scripture says that the Holy Spirit searches the heart and understands the motivation that lie within. Do you understand what that means? No matter what age your child is, the Holy Spirit is searching that child's heart and knows the motivation of everything going on with that kid. He knows exactly what that child needs. He holds the answer key. And so when you and I turn to him and pray to him first before we decide that we hold the answers and we know the answer key, we will have so much more victory. But God isn't wanting to circumvent you. It isn't that God is saying, I don't need you. You get out of the way. I'm going to do it all. See, the beauty of the invitation for you and I to rest and to abide. The invitation is for relationship. Because God is inviting you to join him in this parenting thing. He wants to take you deeper with him. He wants you to know him more intimately. It has been the most refining thing outside of marriage that I've done in my entire life. It has changed me more than anything. And it is because I have realized, I don't live it every day, but I have realized that when I walk surrendered to God, it is a formidable, powerful force. It displays God's love to my children 
and they may be lost, it most definitely displays God's love to a lost world. And it offers me an opportunity to lead my child to Jesus. It offers me the opportunity to show them their need for a Savior. And He chose me for my child. And He chose you for the child He gave you. Each one. If you have more than one, they're specific for you. It's not random. You don't randomly get random kids. And I don't care how they came into your home. They have been chosen for you. And you were chosen for them. There is a work here and it is a beautiful work. But you and I, gosh, y'all, we don't have to parent perfectly. And I write about this all the time because it is the lie, I believe, more than any other. But we do not have to parent perfectly. We parent surrendered. And the one we surrender to parents perfectly. He does. And we get to be his tool. He works in us. He works through us. He displays his love, his affection, and his peace to us. And he pours it out through us. And when we catch this, when we begin to learn to rest and to surrender, I promise you, your anxiety levels will decrease and you will experience God's peace. You see, it says in um, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, and and we, we have a song for this in our home and I can't find my Bible in my Bible. I'll just sing you this song. (laughs) You do not want me to do that. Um, It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. We live in in a world that's crazy with fear, frenzy, just telling us all the things that we need to do. And you and I get to walk and hold the hand of the best parent of all, the best teacher of all, the best one to know us. And he says, Present your request to me, and my peace will guard your heart and your mind today. So for today, as you begin to understand and think, I want you to ask yourself this question. How would it impact my motherhood if I didn't feel like I had to control it all and hold it all together? How would it change me? In the next hour, if I didn't worry about the what ifs and instead surrendered to the one who holds the answer key, what would it look like for me to simply rest? What would happen to the crazy 
waves of confusion and doubt and fear and chaos in my mind, would they calm and settle? And then I want you to, I just want to invite you to sit with Jesus for a few minutes and let him begin to help you understand what lie is at the bottom. Do you believe God's not really for you? Do you believe he's not trustworthy? Do you feel like you should just, you know, this is just an area that God's not really interested in and you should be independent in it? Do you just think maybe God's word isn't really all the way true? And let him speak his truth to you. Next week, we're going to talk with a mama who has such a powerful testimony about control and learning how to surrender control and taste and live. She lives in the space of peace. And she's, she's not perfect, and she's going to tell you that. And I love, I love her story. But she has walked hard roads, and she has found that God being surrendered to him is worth everything because it gives her his true peace. So until next time at Table Talk, I hope you have an amazing day. You can find the journal pages in this week's show notes. You will, you can also get them through my newsletter. If you just want to send me a DM on Instagram or on Facebook or through my website and say, hey, sign me up for the newsletter. I want to get those journal pages. You can get it that way. I want you to have them. They're very simple. It's just a very easy way for you to do a little bit of work with the Lord and um, stamp these on your heart where they begin to change the way you think and ultimately the way you mother. That you may mother confidently with a clear understanding of Jesus right here in the middle of your messy motherhood if you're anything like mine because mine is always messy. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.